Well, hi again, sports fans. Robbie Ross here with the Ross Sports Report, Episode 5. And I sit down to record this in my studio, fresh off the Braves, winning Game 2 of the National League Division Series over the Philadelphia Phillies 3 to nothing to tie that series at one game apiece in what was a pitcher's duel for the good majority of the ball game. The Braves got fantastic pitching out of their ace, Kyle Wright, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. Kyle Wright on the night for the Braves, six innings pitch, two hits, no runs, six strikeouts, and one walk to go 1-0 in the postseason, his 22nd win of the year. The Braves have now, counting the regular season, won 21 of Kyle Wright's last 24 starts, including 10 in a row. Kenley Jansen got the save as the Braves turned it over to the bullpen. A.J. Minter, then to Iggy in the eighth inning, Iglesias, and then Kenley Jansen. Jansen retired Philadelphia in order, batters 2, 3, and 4, picking up his 20th career postseason save, that second all-time behind Hall of Famer Mariano Rivera with 42. So the Braves tie the series up one game apiece after a big sixth inning where they had two-out magic, which is what did them in in game one yesterday uh, for Consecutive two-out hits for the Phillies in the first inning set the tone. But the Braves win 3-0 to even the series, one game apiece before they head back to Philadelphia on Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. And then if necessary, game five will be back at Truist Park on Sunday afternoon. It was the sixth inning, like I said, for the Braves that got things going, nothing, nothing, and then the Braves got two outs. Ronald Acuna got hit, luckily stayed in the ball game. Matt Olson singles to score Ronald Acuna. Dansby Swanson walked to get on base. He moved to third. Austin Riley then singles back to the pitcher, an infield hit, softly singles, an infield, infield hit. Dansby scores, Matt Olson to second, and then Travis Darno singles to up the middle, and Matt Olson score Matt Olson scores for the three runs for the Braves. The line score, Braves three runs, four hits, no errors. And for the Phillies, no runs on three hits, no errors. Braves left six men on base. And the Phillies net left nine men on base, but never really threatened in the game. Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley in these first two games that combined two for 14 with two walks. But Riley did have a base hit tonight to score a run. And the bigger story in this series, the Phillies top of the lineup, their first and second batters, Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, a combined one for 18. So my question to you is, who gets hot first? Is it Swanson, a combined two for 14 in the series, and, 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 and Riley? Or is it Schwarber and Hoskins, a combined one for 18? 
I think that is what the series is going to come down to as we move to Philadelphia on Friday for game three. Which of these two integral parts of their ball club gets hot for their team? And does Kenley Jansen stay hot? He's had a great three weeks now. Who pitches game three for the Braves? Does Brian Snicker throw Spencer Strider, who has been on the DH or the DL, excuse me, for a couple of weeks with that strained oblique? Does he throw Charlie Morton? So a lot of questions arise. Aaron Nola, we do know this, will be on the mound for the Phillies with his 11-13 and 13 record and 3.25 ERA. Don't let that record fool you. He is one of the best pitchers in the National League. And then you get to Saturday, you have to think it would be either Strider giving him one more day of rest or Charlie Morton for the Braves, and then you're not really sure who the Phillies bring. And then game five, of course, it's probably Charlie Bullpen or Charlie Holstaff, as they say. Looking back to game one, and I have, you know, the way Kyle Wright pitched tonight, he's been your ace all year. I always was saying, previous to yesterday's game, you throw, I think you throw Kyle Wright out there first and save Max Freed for game two. Max Freed did not have his best stuff. Freed's line yesterday for the Braves, three and a third innings pitched. Giving up six runs on eight hits. Four of those runs were earned. One walk, two strikeouts. And it was extended. His his day was extended with a first inning where the Phillies had four straight singles with two outs and scored two runs. Braves got one run back in the bottom of the second with a Darno sing, uh, solo home run. And then the Phillies scored two in the third, two in the fourth, one in the fifth to extend their lead out to 7-3 to three as we headed to the sixth inning. Braves had some ninth inning magic, cut it to 7-6, to six, but could not get the equalizing run or go-ahead run, or in that case, the winning run, and fell 7-6, to six, falling behind one game to none. Don't press the panic button. The Braves lost game one of the NLDS last year on the road in Milwaukee and then came back to beat Milwaukee in game two, three to nothing. And oh, by the way, the Braves won tonight, game two, three to nothing. So, parallel, of course. Of course, that was on the road. Braves now have to go on the road and take on a Philadelphia team in their home ballpark. And this Philadelphia team is going home for the first time in 16 days. They have played 16 straight games or 15 straight games on the road. They finished with a 10-game road road trip in the regular season. They went straight to St. Louis for three road games. They went straight to Atlanta for two road games. So they are going home for the first time in 16 days. And that ballpark is going to be intense. That ballpark is going to be alive. That ballpark is going to be loud. Citizen Bank Park on Friday as the Phillies host their first postseason game in 11 years. Philadelphia Eagles in football, they're undefeated. So the city of Philadelphia is on fire right now. So the Braves are going to have to come out and silence that a little bit. Braves offense dating back to uh, that last regular season 
series with the Marlins. Not its best of late. Of course, uh, they clinched on that Tuesday uh, and and won, <clears throat> excuse me, and then uh, scored nine runs with the makeshift lineup the last day of the year, had the five days off, and could not find the timely hit yesterday. But you find a way to get it done today. Braves left on uh, game one, left 19 runners on base and only and mustered nine hits. A lot of those coming in the ninth inning. Uh, didn't really um, make much of a, a charge till the ninth, and it came up short. But bottom line is it's one game to one heading back to Philadelphia, and the Braves can uh, clinch it in Philadelphia or uh, one win by Philadelphia and a Braves win uh, up there in uh, the city of brotherly love, as they say. And we'll have a game five on Sunday. Winner, of course, takes on the Dodgers. Padres winner. Dodgers are up one game to none in that one. As the um, Dodgers won last night on Monday night, or excuse me, Tuesday night, by a score of five to three. And uh, they are up in, or actually they're, t- now, no, the Padres are now leading as I record this in the top of the sixth, four to three. So that's interesting as you uh, Darvish started that game for the Padres. Clayton Kershaw started that game for the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman's homer, Trey Turner's homer in game one and game two. Uh, so, you know, the Dodgers are going to hit the baseball. It's just, can the Padres pitching withstand it? So that, and that series goes to game three on Friday. The Braves have drawn the misfortune of all afternoon games, minus tonight, thanks to the weather. Braves had a three-hour rain delay, which forced the first pitch from 4.30 to 7.30, back at 4.30 on Friday, and then a very oddly timed 2.07 first pitch on Saturday, and then, if necessary, Game 5 back at Truist Park on Sunday at 4.37. So when the Yankees and the Dodgers are in the playoffs and you're not playing them, guess who gets the night game? That's right, the Dodgers and the Yankees. And if you're Houston and Seattle and Atlanta and Philly, you're playing afternoon ball. Uh, so, which I don't really agree with in the DS. You know, I think you put two games on at the same time and let those markets pick where they want to play. You could have very easily played these two games, uh, the four games yesterday. You could have played uh, the Braves and the Phillies and the Astros and the Mariners at 5.30 and put the Yankees and the Dodgers series on at 8.30. Same people are going to watch. Same ratings. Uh, But instead, the Braves had to play at 105 yesterday and originally scheduled for 4.30 today. Uh, But, of course, uh, the rain helped push it to a 7.30 game. And uh, 4.30 not going to help anybody in Truist Park because of the shadows. Very odd time. Uh, the Braves never play a 4:30 game, and uh, basically the shadows, the way they the, the sun falls on Truist Park, would have made from awkward, awkward shadows on the ballpark and, and the baseball diamond had that game be played at 4:30. So we'll see what happens at um, as the game gets late, if there is a a game five on Sunday. Uh, but most importantly, Braves survive and get a much needed win in game two to move to one game apiece. 
um, and see if they can kind of get hot. And like I said uh, a little while ago, it, it the tail of the series, it seems to me, is going to be who gets hot first. Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley combined two of 14, or will it be Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, who is a combined one of 18 in this series? And what's even scarier if you're a Braves fan and like, oh gosh, when are they going to wake up? They are a combined one of 33. They were 0 for 15 against the Cardinals in that series. So who's going to wake up first is the question. But uh, the Braves and Phillies will do it again on Friday in Game 3. So hopefully uh, we'll have some good news to talk about uh, Braves baseball on Episode 6. College football this past week, big, big week in college football across the country. Alabama survived uh, a Texas A&M rally late to beat the Aggies. Uh, they had to make a defensive stand at the goal line with no time on the clock. Alabama won 24-20. Alabama missed a couple of field goals. Uh, also, Bryce Young got hurt. Uh, so we'll see what his status is as we look ahead to next week, this coming week, which is a big week. Um, so the uh, the backup quarterback there for Alabama, uh, very, very capable, very good, uh, but had some miscues with the football, Milrow. He uh, fumbled a couple of times running the football, didn't tuck it, didn't protect the ball, and it was knocked out of his hands. He uh, threw three touchdown passes, one interception. Uh, Alabama turned it over a number of times, very uncharacteristic of Alabama, turned it over four times, three fumbles and an interception. Those don't happen. It's a very different ball game. It's Texas A&M is just not very good. As they're 3-3, three and three, Alabama is 6-0. and oh. And Alabama dropped in the rankings uh, again. Georgia hopped them. Uh, LSU, no match for Tennessee. Tennessee won that one 40-13. As Tennessee gets set to host Alabama in the first meaningful game between Bama and Tennessee in at least, in, I haven't looked back, but at least 15 years, if not longer. Does that game mean something this year? as it'll be a battle of top 10 teams. Uh, game day last week was at Kansas for the first time for football. They've been in Allen Fieldhouse for basketball uh, a number of times, but for football, their first time in Kansas. And TCU won that one 38-31. Uh, so the Cinderella story of Kansas being undefeated takes a, a hit, a small hit. Mississippi State. Beat Arkansas 40-17. Florida beat Missouri 24-17. The Red River shootout, always a game circled on the national calendar. It was not circled if you're an Oklahoma fan this year. Texas blows out Oklahoma 49-0. The Brent Venables era at Oklahoma really, really, really off to a rocky start. As, of course, the very successful defensive coordinator for Oklahoma, the even more successful defensive coordinator for Clemson, Brent Venables moves on to be the head coach of Oklahoma, and things are not going well in Norman, Oklahoma, as the Texas Longhorns won that one 49 to nothing in the Sun Belt. It was Georgia State defeating Georgia Southern 41-33. Georgia State has now won three in a row 
over their rival from Statesboro, and they are three and uh, six and three all time over Georgia Southern. In that rivalry, very short rivalry, Georgia Southern turned it over five times, a number of interceptions from their quarterback, Kyle Van Treese. And you can't turn the ball over. Kyle Van Treese threw four interceptions. And uh, uh, Caleb Hood fumbled it once. You can't turn the ball over five times and win a football game in the Sun Belt or any conference of college football. Otherwise, Kyle Van Treese had a great day, 30 of 49, 359 passing and three touchdowns. Georgia Southern rushed it for 92 yards. Conversely, Georgia State ran the football extremely well, uh, highlighting Georgia Southern's tackling woes so far in the first six games of the season. And uh, Georgia State ran for 335 yards, 335 yards uh, on the ground and three touchdowns. Darren Granger threw it 16 of 25 for 186 and two touchdowns interception. Georgia Southern loses 41-33 to Georgia State. So the Eagles fall to three and three after that promising three and one start, dropped two consecutive conference games on the road to open Sunbelt play and uh, will come home for family weekend at Paulson Stadium against James Madison. We'll talk about that when Georgia State improves to two and four. They have won now two in a row. Georgia over Auburn. 42 to 10, Georgia took care of Auburn. I don't know. I really don't know how Auburn's coach is still employed. I just don't. I don't understand it. Um, you would think that that would have been the nail in the proverbial coffin, but he is still employed as of right now, as of this recording. He is still on the payroll on the Plains. Uh, Georgia improves to 6-0. and and uh, they're bowl eligible. They're bowl eligible. Coastal Carolina, Clemson, bowl eligible. Alabama, bowl eligible. How about that? The earliest possibility that they could be a bowl eligible, they are. Georgia routes them 42-10. to 10, And it wasn't even that close, really. Stetson Bennett, 22 of 32, 208 yards, passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Georgia ran the ball 292 yards on the ground, including Stetson Bennett's three carries for 64 yards and a touchdown and a nifty run. If you hadn't seen it, look it up. Stetson Bennett shows he has wheels, that the mail truck has wheels. So Georgia improves, wins 42-10 in what they call the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But everybody knows the true, true oldest rivalry in the Deep South by three years is Furman and Wofford. Furman and Wofford first played in 1889. Georgia and Auburn first played in 1892. So the real oldest rivalry in the Deep South belongs to the Furman Paladins and the Wofford Terriers. But that's a whole other story for another time. UCLA, they defeat Utah 42-32. UCLA is undefeated. Utah falls to 4-2. So they are now out of the picture of any Pac-12 championship. UCLA, USC headed for a showdown, potentially undefeated, but USC still has to get by Notre Dame uh, down the road as well. Ohio State, they continue to roll. They win 49-20 over Michigan State. Ole Miss, they're undefeated. They win over Vandy 52-28. Georgia Tech and their interim coach gets his second win in a row over Duke. Georgia Tech at 3-3. They win 23-20 in overtime. Second straight win for interim coach Brent Key on the flats at Georgia Tech. James Madison, they get ranked 
for the first time in history. They've played five FBS games, and they are 5-0, and and they are ranked for the first time in school history in the FBS poll in the first five weeks of being an FBS team. They win over Arkansas State 42-20. And uh, they come into Statesboro this weekend. That'll be an interesting ball game. We'll talk about that as we look ahead to week seven. And uh, Texas State upsets Appalachian State. So Appalachian State is three and three. They are a Hail Mary being knocked down away from being two and four. And just who knows? It's crazy. Uh, They... uh, Beat Texas A&M night 17-14. So, I mean, Texas, they're three points, four points, uh, five, six points away from being one and five with that one win, a, a, a resounding win over the Citadel, which is always good to see a, a win over the Citadel by anybody, 49 to nothing. So, uh, interesting situation in App State. They have uh, a week off to prepare and think about what's happening and what's going wrong, but they're three and three overall. They are. One and two in Sunbelt play. Uh, so interesting times up on the mountain in Boone. Clemson takes care of Boston College, 31-3. to South Carolina, what an upset win for the Gamecocks. They go on the road and beat Kentucky 24-14. to Coach Shane Beamer has his Gamecocks at four and two and uh, upsets Kentucky and kind of derails their chances of any SEC East noise as of right now. Wake Forest beats Army. BYU falls to Notre Dame. Kansas State over Iowa State, 10-9. NC State survives Florida State, 19-17. Coastal Carolina, we mentioned they're bowl eligible. They're 6-0. They beat Louisiana Monroe. Looking ahead to this week on Saturday, Penn State and Michigan, top 10 matchup. Michigan number 5, Penn State number 10. At noon on Fox from Ann Arbor, the big house. Big First big uh, marquee matchup for the Big Ten this year. Auburn at Ole Miss. That's a noon kick. Ole Miss, 14-and-a-half favorite there. Here's a secret. Take Ole Miss. They'll cover. Kansas on the road at Oklahoma. Does Oklahoma find something deep down and, and, and make some sort of Recovery from the Texas game. Can Kansas bounce back from their first loss of the year? Texas uh, at home against Iowa State at 3, uh, 12 o'clock. Illinois ranked for the first time in a long time under Levy Smith. They're 5-1. and one. They host Minnesota. In the Sun Belt, Coastal Carolina 6-0. and Looks to go to 7-0. They host Old Dominion in a matchup uh, between Coastal and uh, one of the new members of the Sun Belt. Virginia Tech and Miami in a game that used to mean a lot, but now it means nothing. Nothing. Both their teams have two wins. Miami is not back. Virginia Tech is not back. That's a 12-30 game on ESPN3. Not even on real TV. Not even on real TV. ESPN3 for that one. Georgia and Vandy. Georgia back in number one, hosting Vanderbilt at 330. Betwixt the hedges, Georgia 38-point favorite. It's a lot to to cover. I don't know about that. Alabama at number three and Tennessee at number six. As I said earlier, this is the first time in at least, I haven't looked it up. I'm not going to take the time to look it up. But for the first time in at least 15 years that this game means something 
to both teams. It means a little bit more to Tennessee, though, than it does Alabama because Alabama has that built-in cushion to lose one along the way because that's the Alabama way. They are always given that built-in cushion to lose one along the way and still be okay, get to the SEC championship game, win that, and go to the playoffs. Alabama has that cushion. Tennessee, I don't think, has that luxury where they are not going to have the ability to lose one along the way because they still have to play Georgia, still have to play Kentucky, and uh, a number of other teams that um, Kentucky, Georgia, they still have to go to South Carolina, which now could be a formidable thing. So uh, Tennessee does not have the luxury that Alabama does, although Alabama's remaining schedule is unbelievable too. This week, number six, Tennessee. Next week, 16th-ranked Mississippi State. Following that, always a tough trip to Baton Rouge. More than likely be a night game. And then they go to Ole Miss, who's number nine this week. And then, of course, they always finish with Auburn. By that time, surely Auburn will have an interim coach, I would imagine. And that game can always go one way or the other. So Alabama's a seven-point favorite. That's tough. Might want to go with the over-under there. I'm not sure. It doesn't show that what the over would be. Uh, but Tennessee likes to score points. Likes to score points. The over is 65 and a half. I don't know if that'll get touched, but that may be, that may be one of those games you just sit back and watch at 3.30 on Saturday and, and not really mess with it if you were into that type of gaming. Oklahoma State ranked eighth in the country. Very quiet top 10 team at Oklahoma State. They host TCU which could be interesting. Both of those teams, 5-0. TCU, a four-point favorite at home over Oklahoma State. Syracuse, ranked number 18 and undefeated, hosting NC State at number 15. They're 5-1. and one. That is an elimination game, basically, in the ACC Atlantic Division. The um, Of course, NC State already has the loss to Clemson. They have to win out to remain in the conversation to win that division and would need some help. Later on in the afternoon, James Madison, as we mentioned, travels to Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. James Madison freshly ranked at number 25 in the country, the fourth different Sunbelt team to be ranked in the last couple of years. Of course, Coastal and Louisiana were ranked uh, at a time last year. Appalachian State's been ranked in the last couple of years. Uh, But the key to that is the last two times a freshly ranked team came into Paulson Stadium, they left with a loss and were ranked no more. Appalachian State, the last two times they were ranked, they came to Statesboro the very next week and lost and fell out of the rankings. We'll see if the Eagles can right the ship. James Madison's going to run the football, want to run the football, want to run the football all day long in Statesboro. Can Georgia Southern tackle enough and not turn the ball over to make it a game on family weekend in Statesboro? We'll see. LSU in Florida used to be a big one, still is for the Gators. Gators are only four and two and kind of lurking there in the SEC East, uh, but still has some work to do. Uh, they got LSU, then they take the week off before the cocktail party against Georgia. Always interesting. Then they got AM, then South Carolina, then Vandy. So Florida has the meat kind of of their SEC schedule out of the way, except minus Georgia. Uh, but that trip to Kyle Field will be tough. And then South Carolina coming in there. They finish up with a trip at Nashville before they play Florida State. Interesting to see how the Gators can kind of turn things around a little bit and get back um, in the conversation, at least, for an Eastern Division championship. Clemson goes to Florida State. Clemson 6-0, Florida State 4-2. Mississippi State goes to Kentucky. 
Mississippi State looks to continue their good run here lately. They're five and one. Kentucky four and two. Stanford and Notre Dame. That's always a fun game to watch uh, up in South Bend. And USC and Utah, a big one in the Pac-10. That's an eight o'clock game. Utah, a three and a half point favorite at home. Very interesting. Very interesting. North Carolina and Duke in football. Yeah, not really fun to watch. North Carolina has no defense. They have a lot of offense, but they have no defense. And the late game special for all you gamblers out there, 11.59 Eastern time, Nevada at Hawaii. No line on that. So hopefully there'll be a line by 11.59 on Saturday night. So a good, good uh, week of college football coming up. Every week of college football is good. Looking at the NFL, the big story out of this past week was the no call or the call that was not a call that should not have been made. Garrett, uh, Jarrett, uh, Jarrett, what's his name? Grady Jarrett. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I've watched it a million times. With the roughing the passer penalty against Tom Brady, which was in no way, shape, or form roughing the passer. Patrick Mahomes was roughed 10 times worse or tackled 10 times harder on Monday night, and the call was not made. So why don't you just put flags around Tom Brady's waist and call it what it is, flag football when Tom Brady's playing? I don't care if he's the greatest of all time. But that took the ball game potentially away from the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, the Falcons had to go down and score if they made that stop, but that continued the drive and then allowed the Bucks to run the clock out and was just an awful, awful call. It was not a malicious hit. It was not a violent throwing to the ground. It was a tackle and rollover. If Jared had let go, he could have gotten up. He would have stayed alive, thrown the ball downfield, run or something. You have to bring the player to the ground. That's what he did, and the flag was called. If you somehow have not seen that play, look it up, watch it, and it was insane. The Giants upset. I'm going to say it's an upset. Giants upset the Packers uh, over in London at 930, the 930 game. They won that 27-22. The Giants, they're 4-1. The Eagles are undefeated, and the Cowboys are 4-1. The NFC East, formidable, formidable division. Steelers beat the Bills 38-3. Steelers are or Bills are 4-1. Steelers are a mess. Chargers beat the Browns 30-28. The Browns are a mess. They're 2-3. Losers are two straight. Vikings beat the Bears. Patriots all over the Lions. Saints beat the Seahawks. Jets over the Dolphins. Titans over the Commanders. Texans over the Jags in what was a very boring game. Of course, we got to have to watch that here in Southeast Georgia on television because we're in the, quote, Jacksonville TV market. Whew, man, what an awful, awful football game that was. Panthers uh, fall to the 49ers. Their coach gets fired. He will have a job in college somewhere next year. I'm not sure, but Matt Rule, mark it down, will have a job coaching football on a college campus this time next year. Panthers lose 37-15 to the Niners, who look really good. Debo Samuel is so good, and Jimmy G uh, starting to play a little bit better, too. The Rams lose to the Cowboys 22-10. Eagles, as I said, remain undefeated 20-17. Ravens beat the Bengals 19-17, and then the Chiefs held on against the Raiders. Raiders went for too late, didn't get it. 
lost by one, 30 to 29. Some uh, week six marquee games, the Thursday night games, a snoozer, Bears and Commanders, no thank you. 49ers travel to Atlanta to take on the Dirty Birds at 1 o'clock. Patriots and Browns, no thanks. Jets and Packers, Packers should win that, although Aaron Rodgers is a little banged up, may not play. Jaguars at the Colts, Vikings at Dolphins, Bengals at Saints, Ravens at Giants, Bucks at Steelers, Panthers at Rams, Bills at the Chiefs, Sunday afternoon, 425. Man, what a ball game. That's going to be Sunday afternoon. Sunday night, Cowboys in Philly. What a a weekend. What a sports weekend in Philadelphia. What a sports weekend. Friday night, Friday afternoon, game three of the NLDS. Saturday afternoon, game two of the NLDS. Sunday afternoon, or Sunday afternoon, potentially game five back in Atlanta of the NLDS. Sunday night, 8 o'clock, NBC. Philly hosts the Cowboys for first place in the NFC East. What a time to be alive in Philadelphia. Hopefully, it'll be a sad weekend baseball-wise. I do like the Eagles to win over the Cowboys because I have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team. So he has to play well. And then Monday night, kind of a snoozer. It seems the Broncos have been on either Sunday night, Thursday night, or Monday night every week. Is Russell Wilson that much of a draw? Does he push the needle that much that he has got to be in prime time? Broncos at Chargers next Monday night. No thank you. So we wrap up with this. The Braves and Phillies tied one game apiece after two games in the NLDS. This time next week when we record episode six, we will be in the midst of the NLCS. Hopefully the Braves are still playing baseball and the Dodgers and the Padres are in that other side. And the AL, didn't even mention them, uh, the Yankees won game one against the Guardians. And it was the Astros came from behind to beat the Mariners in game one uh, yesterday. And that one, eight to seven, a walk-off home run for the Astros. Yankees won four to one. They take the day off on Wednesday and will play their two games on Thursday. Uh, But Braves are the big story. They win three nothing over the Mets on Wednesday night to tie that series up one game apiece. And uh, all eyes will be on. Uh, the Braves on uh, the next two days, really, at least tomorrow and maybe even into Friday as to who will be the game three starter for the Braves. Once again, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And I'm Robbie Ross. This is the Ross Sports Report. Thanks for listening.